My, how things have changed. In all the years I went to church with my parents, never did my dad not have a shirt and tie on in the summer or a suit in the winter. That also includes all the old pictures I was forced to look at time and time again when I was growing up. A people out and about. Women in dresses, men in suits. Even the children were dressed up. Today we find a much different dress code. Usually between older and younger in the church. Generally speaking, the older generation, by the way, I'm 62. Yeah. Generally speaking, they have different dress codes. The older generation dress up for services. The younger generation prefer to be comfortable and casual all the time. If you have people, you have preferences. Romans 14.1 says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations or doubtful thoughts. Or, as the RSV says, opinions. So, the last word in this, in this verse, doubtful disputations, reasonings, opinions. In our context today, these are preferences. By the way, the elders gave me no direction in this lesson at all. So, this is up to me. We're going to go back to that passage just a little later. With these preferences come the hosts of speculations, passions, and emotions about almost everything. We have opinions about how people should act, and yes, even how they should dress from the podium on church services, especially on Sunday morning. Add to our preferences class material structure, the use of church funds, meeting times, and well, you name it. And we as a body could have a recipe for discord and conflict. Hence, with such a volatile subject, preferences. Does that sound volatile to you? Well, it can be. I want to explore this just for 26 minutes. I feel we all agree, and I'm not going to be addressing topics that are doctrinal issues, such as instrumental music, women from the pulpit, let's change Sunday morning to Saturday night. We're not going there, because I believe this group agrees on scriptural matters and that each congregation is autonomous and should govern itself. Even though we're all the body of Christ, we've got liberties. Then we need to make decisions about those liberties. Okay, Dan, such as. Meeting Sunday night, Wednesday night, or Thursday night. A different songbook. Saying amen in the middle of service when there's no prayer involved. Clapping during church. Reading from an iPad up here rather than reading from the Bible. What versions do you Do we pass a collection plate? Or do we put the collection plate like Lawrence does in the back and you give as you see fit? I, okay, I'm sorry. I like that. 
We don't do it at Smart Road. That's fine, but that that's it. Kneeling for prayers. Women speaking during class. Eating in the church building. Wearing sports-themed clothes while taking public part. Okay, I need to move along. That was just a minor little list. And one particular group that my wife and I have visited uh, a couple of times these last couple of years, they don't really have a starting time on Sunday morning. But, but they don't have an ending time on Sunday morning either. But it, it seems to work very well for them. Oh, by the way, they're not in this country. Okay. But the question is, do we do things because it's the best way or it's tradition or some other reason? How do we handle liberties in the church? You know, we're all individuals. We less like things our way and we prefer things our way. For whatever reason, we just like it our way. And that's simply the definition of preference. And when we speak of preferences, here's the tough part. There's always me, or my, or I, that's in front of it. They may be our own, and may not be equally approved of by the group around us. As I said before, this word has a potential of being so volatile, so personal, and at times perhaps even dividing. That's just the nature of our opinions and our desires, and that's what make up our preferences. Our level of passion can include everything from, I think this would be a good idea if we did it this way, to feeling so strong that we're really saying, what you're doing is wrong and my way is better. We seem to always have a good reason, don't we? Well, I was raised that way. I was raised that way. That's part of our culture. It's just more satisfying to me if we do it this way. It brings more meaning and more importance to the act of service. So, when we come across someone who hasn't had the same experiences, wasn't raised the same way we were, or simply doesn't see things our way, what are we going to do with those brethren? Well, I'm going to take just a moment back to Romans 14, and I'm going to summarize as best I can. One person, you're going to eat here in a little bit, one person eats everything. Someone else eats vegetables. One person holds one day higher than some of the others. One person holds all those days alike. These are preferences, different ways of doing different things, plain and simple. But verse 5 says, each one, whatever it is, should be fully convinced in his own mind. And what do all four of those individuals have in common? Whether they do or don't do, they're doing it to honor the Lord. You can say that during my lesson if you want. That's fine. For if we live to the Lord, that's good. If we die for the Lord. 
But I can't find anywhere in this passage it says we're to obligate, pressure, or prod our brethren into doing things our way. Remember, these are not biblical standards that we've set for ourselves. These are liberties. I have two major points. Here's the first. What we build on faith dealing with this reference. Love and unity. We're very familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. Dealing with love. Now, perhaps you can't see yourself this way, but I'm boisterous. I can see myself this way. I can be a noisy gong. Or a clanging cymbal. When I voice my preferences so loud and so strongly that it drowns out the purpose altogether of what I'm trying to say. Verse 4 tells me to be love, tells me to love and be patient and kind. It tells me not to envy or boast, not to be arrogant or rude. Oh, careful. It, do, it doesn't insist on my own way. And I'm not to be irritable or resentful. You know what that's just done? That's taken all of the wind out of my personal preference soapbox. That maybe you don't, but I do once in a while. And then I have to add Ephesians 4.2 With all humility and gentleness and patience I'm bearing with one another in love. I'm eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I could stop there. But I said 26 minutes, so we'll press on. I've got three short points I'd like to mention. Is my preferences edifying or they're just distracting? In Romans 14, 19, it says, I need to pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> Some people, whether this group or any group, are very musical. Some people, like my wife, are not and can't carry a tune in a bucket. Bless her heart. I was a vocal and instrumental music major until I ran out of talent in college. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to say that. But my point is, when the songs are made so difficult by changing how they're sung, that people are confused and they're looking around, should I be singing, should I not be singing? That puts the notes ahead of the words and meaning. There's also a fine line between leading a song in an upbeat fashion and just getting carried away altogether. The leader, that would be me, is not to distract from the songs with my leading technique, whether I'm waving my arms too much or whatever. Songs are to edify and encourage everyone and not be a production. This same group that doesn't start on time and end on time, you should hear them sing. Musically, it's horrible. You close your eyes, there's no harmony, they're not singing together. The list goes on and on. But you open your eyes and look around, they're meaning what they're saying. 
They're working hard at this. They're doing the best they can. Point number two, when others are involved, is it done with decency and in order? And 1 Corinthians 14, 40 tells us that it's supposed to be done that way. I've got one more example about music. And it's not in another country, it's a smart road. I've been singing out of the Red Hymnal since I was born. <laughs> Sometime later at Gregory, we got the Blue Hymnal. And just not very long ago at Smart Road, we ended up with this purple book. Some of our younger members started investigating another group of songs to add to Praise to the Father. They put a selection together of songs. They gave it to the elders for review. That was presented as a business meeting. It got approved. And the young men that had put this together spent several Sunday nights teaching us, old people, these new songs. They even gave us a cappella CDs that we could take home and listen to. As we became more familiar with this new book, we found songs, some of the songs, just some of the songs, to be just too complicated. They, they, they made you go back, you know, how you go back to the beginning and then you jump to this. Okay. It was just too hard for our congregation's general level of music ability. So what did these young people do? They went back to the drawing board. They redid the songs to make them easier that we had trouble with. And if they were too difficult and they couldn't, they just eliminated them. It was a beautiful experience for the younger showing respect to the older members and the energy of the young not to be held back by those that would have just been fine singing out of the red hymnal for the rest of their lives. It works for us. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is ahead into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And number three, is it tradition or just culture that we do it that way? Do we bind this on people? It's mandating that things be done that way? Does it seem like some things we do are commandments when they're not? Well, it's standard. We've always done it that way. Does not always justify the practice. I want to go back to the dress code that my dad had growing up. I couldn't understand then. He's long gone. I can understand now. There was a day and time when you went outside in coveralls or jeans. You were going outside to work. Not going out in public. If a man wore coveralls to church on Sunday morning, they were either all he could afford or they were the best coveralls he owned. Folks dressed up to honor the occasion. They wanted others to know this is important. They wore nice clothes out of respect, especially to church. They were going to worship God and honor His Son. 
It wasn't showing off or looking nicer than someone else. It was a sign they regarded the occasion with importance and reverence. That was the tradition. That was the culture in which they were raised. And those people, and this man on the front row is showing us today, they still exhibit it today. So when someone, and I say Sunday morning because I'm, I'm using the Lord's table, I'm using that particular service. So when someone addresses the congregation today in cut-off shorts and a t-shirt that looks like they may have slept in it the night before, you may get the sense that some in the audience may not be fully listening to what they're saying as much as they're put off by what the speaker has on. So who's at fault here? The young person in the shorts or the people concerned with what he's wearing more than what he's saying? Are these brethren respecting each other? Are they putting their preference in front of preferring one another? There's nothing wrong with tradition. There's nothing wrong with the culture as long as we keep it with respect and love. Philippians 2.3 Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. You know what this is? This is Christian consideration. Both parties have equal responsibilities to communicate in love and respect. It's a beautiful thing for brothers to care enough for each other to be able to sit down and talk about different things. This can only be done by understanding where each one is coming from and honoring them by putting their brother's preference before their own in finding common ground. Maybe one guy needs to take his tie off. I don't know. Maybe one guy needs to put on a polo. Whatever. Maybe nothing needs to be done. But Paul said, and here's my point as I'm winding down, all things are lawful, but not everything's expedient. Expedient. It's okay. The Bible says it's okay for me to do this, but is it upbuilding? Is it beneficial? I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm just going to read the last couple of verses. But 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about his preferences, if you will. Starts in verse 19, but I want to start in verse 22. Did you know how weak Paul was? Weak. Paul says in verse 22, To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in their blessings. And I just turn over the page to 10.33 and it says, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do. I'm trying to figure out where in 10.33 he says, I've got preferences and you need to listen to him because I'm an apostle. I don't find that anywhere. Not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. 
We've already mentioned it. Preferring one another, Romans 12.10. I need to understand for Dan that I can prefer some things that can be costly and damaging. They can cause strife and division and discord because of my vanity, my selfishness, selfishness, or my desire to have things my way. Preferences can bring discontent and disharmony within brethren, and we know that's not supposed to be. You all have ideals. You all have mannerisms. You know what you all have? <clears throat> you all have doubtful dis disputations. I knew I wasn't going to say that right. And I'm not sure exactly what that means. But to some extent, it means what we prefer. We are all different, but we are, are all in the Lord. We need to act that way, talk that way, and be that way. It's hard for me, maybe not for you, it's hard for me to remember that a preference for me might be no more than a distraction for you. I have two preferences and then I'm going to sit down. When taking public part, it should be that the godly message I present, the songs I lead, the prayers I give, all be to God's glory. With no interference or distractions caused by, here's the tough part, my mannerisms, my dress, the toughest one of all, my lifestyle. When sitting in a pew, it should be that I listen, sing, and worship, putting my prejudices and my preferences aside and glorifying God.